where we're at now. All right, social media family. We are at the end of the year, and we are doing another offshoot study as we prepare for the new year, 2023. Now, in 2023, we'll be doing Christian philosophy. We'll be starting that in January. All right. Well, tonight we're going to have, um, we're just going to look at a question, something that I wanted us to kind of to look about, look, look over, because, and I, I'm going to just throw it out there and we're going to look at what the scriptures say and, and try to reconcile some things, okay? Now, the question I have is, what is the good life? What is the good life? That's question number one. And number two is, should I expect to live the good life as a believer? Should I expect to live the good life as a believer? So the first question is, what is the good life? What does that mean? Because I know the, the world paints a picture of what the good life is. right? But does it coincide with what the scripture says a good life is? Or is there any type of synergy between the two? To me, peace. The scripture talks about peace, unspeakable, full of glory. Uh, I've been saved 50 years, and a lot of that time I was broke and busted, but I still had peace, and, and uh, I had a good life. I mean, even when I didn't have any money, I had a good life. I was still able to do things I enjoyed and enjoy children and enjoy family, you know, and even broke, I was happy. So, I mean, it's better when you're not, but uh, I've had a good, I've had a good life. All right. So we'll look at a couple of scriptures and first let's go to John 10, a very familiar set of scriptures here. John 10, and we're going to start at verse 7, John 10, verse 7, and go down to verse 11. Not reading in the King James. And it reads this way. Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but... For to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now I'm looking at verse 10, obviously. Mm -hmm. Right? Now Jesus said that he came that they may have Life and that word life in the Greek is what Zoe, right? And that they may have it more abundantly. So, if I look at the Amplified verse 10, it says, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. And I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Now, 
in abundance to the full till it overflows. Zoe life. Now, when we get that picture, what does that look like? Because I know Gene, he gave us a picture of how once he got born again, there was a what? There was a change, mm-hmm. right? But I'm wondering here, how many of us miss it or have missed it on what life is and what what Jesus is communicating here when talking about the abundant life? Like when you hear that phrase abundant life, what comes to mind? Well, I mean, religious people think of the life after, you know, when you pass away. At least that's what I came with. When you talk about abundant life, right? Okay, yeah, not here, but in the sweet by and by. Okay. All right. Now, is that. Incorrect or incomplete? All right. Complete. Okay. Incomplete. All right. All right. Because there's a lot of churches like that where you're just miserable and terrible here until you get right. to heaven. Right. When you get to heaven, everything's going to be fine. Right. And really, that abundant life's for now. Exactly. And then you have two aspects in the church. There's those who think it means expensive cars. Big houses, boats, mm-hmm. all those things. Not that you can't have those things, right. but no, the other extreme—the <laughs> other extreme—is that you should be poor, and it's only this. This abundant life is only spiritually, mm-hmm. but it's all dimensions of life. Right, but on the um, what did you? So Jesus was made poor so that we, we might, might be his poverty rich. might be rich. Yeah. Well, good luck, whoever you people are with the B word or whatever you know, ends in a T. Um, that oh, that means spiritually. Uh, was Jesus poor spiritually? Okay, no. Mm-hmm. So that's wealth. Yeah, there's a lot of people but that, the, that um, shoot down prosperity. Where wait, where's uh, the ample? Okay. So you said, what does that abundant look like? Mm-hmm. I'm studying with the lady um, in, um, we're doing me, and um, outside of whatever, past Richmond, whatever. It's like an hour and 20 minutes from here. Spirit, oh wait, spirit, soul, and body. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I, I never had that teaching in 40 years. So... Spirit, soul, and body, um, grace through grace and faith. Like that's what I'm studying, and they go together. So we're saved by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. So that's where I was learning grace and faith. So what is grace is what God did. So then the the overflow. What something about when she was talking. So abundant. I got the visual. When all of that stuff put together, Niagara Falls. What is um what is the grace and the blessing and the love? 
pouring out his love on us. So pour in abundance is visualize Niagara Falls. You're standing under Niagara Falls and his love is pouring on you and his blessings are pouring on you like Niagara Falls. Because that scripture said overflow. Mm -hmm. When you think of overflow and abundance, Niagara Falls, flow. Living water. So, you know, so overflow. So the grace part, you know, what God, God did that we had nothing to do with. So the prophetic words that, you know, God said, I want to, these years ago, I want to pour my love out on you. Okay, so pouring, tying it all together, pouring out his love, another prophetic word, I want to pour out my blessing on you. I want to bless you as never before. So the words pour. So I visualize myself standing under Niagara Falls and the lady, the our teacher, she loved it. She's like, yeah, everything. And and think about does Niagara Falls ever end or does it ever begin or end? No. So anytime we want to go and get what we need, which is already provided, think of being think of going to Niagara Falls. Every whatever you need. Just boom. Done. That's good. Okay. Okay. So practically, That's how my brain works 95 miles an hour and ties it all together. Right. Because um, I'm getting the, yeah, because I'm getting the visual, right? And I'm looking at that. And exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask mm-hmm. or think, right? That's what we have in Christ. Now, that applies to what? To peace, joy, patience, goodness. Kindness, all of the fruits of the spirit, mm-hmm. right? And his mercy endures forever. Right? So, getting that visual Niagara Falls and thinking about how I can mess up today, his mercy endures forever. I can mess up tomorrow three times on Tuesday. <laughs> his mercy endures forever there's you don't there's no we don't have a point where it's like okay you've used up all your grace today your mercy has run out today now i know somebody will hear that statement and say whoa brother you saying something dangerous but am i really or am i staying true to what what the gospel is what the good news is because I think it, it, it sounds dangerous when we think about it, like like heretical. But nobody is saying that sowing and reaping isn't in process. Right. But from God's perspective, what he has given to us and what is available to us, there are no limits to that. Who's the one that puts limits on stuff? That's us. That's us. When you look at his whole life, I mean, he became he became our sin. Uh, though he were rich, he became poor. That through his poverty, we might be rich. Uh, when you when you start looking at, he he took it from us, and then gave it back to us abundantly. And and uh, if you believe it and walk in it, you'll have it. That's good. But I did want to say something about boats, cars, and whatever, because people, some person uh my 
that um, I was, it was my husband's friend and it was just such a strange thing. It's like he didn't really even know me that well. And we came out of the restaurant and there was this pretty car there. And I just said, oh, that's a cool car or pretty or something. And it was so bizarre. He's like, well, I guess you just think you deserve the best. <laughs> so all these years later, like I would, I mean, because this was many, many years ago, and these things stick in your mind because I'm like, what? I never said I wanted that car. I said it's pretty. I never said I wanted it. I'm going to get one. And so those types of things, when people do that, it's like I want to, I'm thinking, I'm going to say, well, are, are you a mind reader? Because you, oh, I guess you think, well, if you're not, you're not a mind reader, so you don't know what I'm thinking. And so when I think about abundance and stuff, right, I don't go, oh, I want that because it's $9 million. It's like, oh, I like that. So in my mind, I don't, I don't care how much it costs because I'm not buying it based on how much it costs or doesn't cost. So let's throw in abundance with prosperity because, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm like, oh, I like that one. And God doesn't care because I'm, he doesn't care how much it costs. People do. And it's like, I don't necessarily want, oh, that's nine, that car costs $9 million. That's why I want it. No, I just think it's pretty. So, and God, you know, so in God, I can believe him for anything. And that's where I'm coming from. But people can judge other people, and but they have no idea that, what that's they're when they, when they do that, that's witchcraft. When they're, they're trying to manipulate you or control you by saying, oh, you're this or you're that. When somebody does that to me, I turn them right off. I don't even listen. You know, yeah. it's just... Uh, but it was so bizarre that, yeah. that it's like the reaction of this bird like I mean, because this was my not ex-husband's friend whom I had known, but he wasn't really my friend. It was just so bizarre. Like, oh. But a lot of the church honestly believes that. Mm-hmm. I've had cars and boats all my life. And at one time, both my cars and my boat all together weren't worth $1,000. You know, but if somebody said, this guy's got two cars and a boat, and you didn't tell him what it was, they'd think he's doing well. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I was doing well, because I had a car I could drive, and I had a boat I could fish off of, and I, I didn't need a big fancy thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, just throwing this out there, when we talk about this, right, when, we, when you think about that, that scripture, and you think about exceedingly and abundantly, why is it that the mind goes to money all the time it goes it goes straight to money in our culture yeah mm -hmm. so not all around the world there you go culture. okay okay now now terry's saying something right it's cultural right because your you know society is saying that if it ain't about money then it's not worth my time yeah right. that's too bad yeah right but the bottom line is you know, you can have an abundance of money and not have abundant life. Oh, really? Really can. And you can, all you got to do is look at the, you only have to pick the Bible up for real. Just look at the news and just see. Because if that's the case, then every billionaire would, would, just, would, be, would be the happiest people on the planet. But how many of you know that that's not the case? Because mm -hmm. what good is it to have all of that abundance but can't enjoy it? Don't have any peace. 
no rest. I worked for a lady who was a millionaire. And she she was so insecure. I mean, just just everybody she met, she thought they were and they they were trying to be nice to her about for her money, and that was probably the case. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. I don't want to read Julie's comment. It says, "Good life, the abundant life." John ten ten. We as believers can receive all of God's goodness, good things He has for us, because Jesus already paid for everything we will ever need. Therefore. He came that we might have life and have it Abund more abundantly. So that's good. That's good. So our needs are paid for. Now, how, how does it feel? Just think about being able to go to a restaurant and order whatever you wanted, four-course meal. And then at the end of the meal, the check says, paid in full. Nice, nice, nice. That's nice, huh? Mm-hmm. Right. He already he took care of the tip, too. Mm -hmm. I probably would enjoy more doing it for somebody else, to be honest. Now, where does that come from? Jesus. There you go. That's part of the abundant life. When I asked him about abundance one time years ago, I said, tell me exactly what abundance is. And he said, Gene, it's you have enough to do everything I've put in your heart to do and some left over to give away. And that, that, that's abundance. And I thought, yeah, you don't have to have buckets of money. You just need, need to have the lifestyle you put in your heart to live and some left over to help other people. And you were living an abundant life. All right. Now let's go to another another scripture. 1 John 3. And 1 John 3. And we're going to look at verse 2. And all of us are familiar with this one too. Little child. Okay, you find him. Yeah, I, I like having this one. I can just read it because I'll be, you know, because I'll be like looking in the Bible and this. I don't like it. I don't. <laughs> I'm sure I don't bring the Bible because I'm reading it and I'm this and like I just like. I just like to hear what people are saying. All right. I'll read it in the Amplify. says, Beloved, we are even, even here. And oh, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> oh, no, no. No. Well, this is so cool. I don't know what's going on, but it's interesting. All right. I'm sorry. Typo. Third John. One. There's only one chapter, third John. Mm -hmm. Verse two. That's right. Verse two. All right, this is this is John. First John, or third John. Third John. Third John. Yeah. Yeah, that was a typo. Okay. Typo. Yeah. He says, "Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper, and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth." Now, this is 
John talking to the elder, the well-beloved Gaius. Now, see how he's saying he's addressing him. Beloved, I wish above all things. That's a very strong statement. That thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Okay, now, is there any question that it's the will of God for you to be well in your mm -mm. body and your soul? Soul, mind, will, emotions. Right. Who's going to want what we have if we're all broke and sick? And busted and disgusted. And you won't have the means to spread the gospel to do what he tells you. Mm -hmm. See, what you just did, there a lot of Christians you see are broke and sick. Yeah. And then they they, they start but they're saying suffering that, for Christ. They start saying that they're holier than, than the other people because they're suffering. I, there are people that like that. We used to sing a song in one of the churches I went to. Uh, what was it? I just want a cabin in, the, in heaven. How did it go? You remember? Yeah. Some people say Manson says I just I'll take a cabin back in heaven just just enough to get by you well, know they think God that's, forbid yeah. I want a mansion then they have to make me feel bad. <laughs> well, it says an abiding place, but yeah, a mansion is what's it's translated with King James. But what I'm saying they believe that okay, once you get a certain age, mm -hmm. okay, you're just gonna be sick, you know, you know, we broke, or you're gonna be, you have all these. Right, it's not a Bible, but I'm saying we embrace it as a badge. Like, okay, man, I'm 60, so you know, I'm supposed to have arthritis, this, mm -hmm. this, 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 and you know, if I'm a little bit off mentally, that's cool. That's just what we do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm saying, I, yeah. and I see this on a daily basis, and I'm saying, you know, they don't believe God for, like I said, what it's a deception. Right, it's a deception. So, and it's like, but. I've been accused of being off mentally for 50 years. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to go there. We're going to stay just off. Made that up. We just made that up. I did not. I did not. We talked it like this group. Mm -hmm. Speak that. It's like we're aliens. It's like, no, because, you know, you see a lot of what they say with the sickness and struggles financially, things of that nature, and we adapt that as normal. And says, okay, well, this is just normal. This is just what life is going to be once you hit this age or this thing. So yeah. you might as well just go with it, you know. Yeah, and my family thinks I'm totally weird. My brothers and sisters. But three and a half years, I'll be 80. And I've, been, I've been through sicknesses, and I never felt that God gave them to me. I always felt that I got something because I wasn't, I wasn't eating right or exercising right or sleeping right or doing right, you know. I never blamed him. I'd always say, I'm, I'm sorry I got sick. It's not your fault. It's mine. And uh, I always pull through. So, Now, let me just put this out there. Now, because we're talking about what the good life is. right? So what I'm hearing is the good life from what we're reading is a life of wholeness. Yes. Nothing missing, nothing mm -hmm. broken. Mm -hmm. Right. Now... Some may say that teaching this and studying this is a deviation from the mission of the church or a offshoot or an elective. It's not, it's not important 
to look at a, a verse like this and talk about what it means for me practically, for you practically in this day and time, right? So how do I, how do I combat that? Because obviously, what 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 is the Great Commission? Right? Yeah, Make disciples, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Now, I think we get confused in what a convert is and what a disciple is. There's two different things, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Because you can you can convert someone. You can be this heathen, <laughs> but are they a disciple? Nope. Because a disciple is a student, mm-hmm. right? A student is someone who is submitted to the tutelage of a teacher. Now, obviously, us, we are to be submitted to the tutelage of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But now the Holy Spirit, the Lord has placed vessels, people in the body to help facilitate that teaching, that discipleship. Right. Well, all of us are called to be students. And looking at this stuff. It's, it's important for you, for me, to understand God's, what he has already done for my tangible needs mm-hmm. and, and my, my spirit, my soul, and my body. It's, it's important for me to know these things because when attacks come, if I trust in what he said, it's not going to be the same distraction as mm-hmm. it would be. Mm-hmm. If I if I didn't know whether it was God's will for me to be whole, because if I'm if I'm doing something and I don't know whether it's God using you know specifically sending this and using this disease or this sickness or this or this situation to teach me something, if I'm if that's my theology, then I can get caught up in the the mess instead of the message. I can get caught up in all of what I'm dealing with and and worry, be provoked to worry and fear versus me continuing to do the there's good lot, works. There's a lot of people there. I heard a guy say God put him in a wheelchair so he would write write something. And I thought, and I thought, where would God get sickness at to give you? Something? Yeah, there you go. You know? So, but the thing with the, the word teacher came to my mind. Where is it that is there is there actually a Bible script because it said sheep my sheep no one the, my voice no but I was trying to think the um in 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 the when G, what the people called Jesus his name they called him teacher but is there a is there a scripture that said that where Jesus said I am your teacher because when you when they said oh God uh, put me or made me sick to teach me something it's like wait a minute the that sickness is not your teacher jesus is your teacher but so they, may, they, they may have learned something while they so, were sick yeah but they that just is m- not mix it up teacher. right they just mix so it up so that was my uh bible thing saying that's not your teacher jesus is your teacher what does jesus say about sickness by the stripes you were healed. So that thing is not to teach you anything. Boom. I just killed that argument. But is there a scripture where Jesus himself says, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But does he does he call himself a teacher? But I, I can't. 
They called him other people teacher, call, other rabbi. people call him teacher. Does rabbi mean teacher? They called him that. But did he ever say, I'm your teacher? He said, I'm the shepherd. Just out of curiosity. He did a lot of teaching. So, I he, mean, you could, you could just... He is our teacher, you but could, I you thought, just, did he call himself your teacher? No, he just... But he, he never called himself very very many things. He, other people, other people teacher. called him, yeah. Right. Let's go to John 13. Just a slight deviation. <coughs> John 13, in reference to that. And we're going to start at verse 12. Because when I talk to somebody, I'm going to get right to the truth and then I'm going to say, well, you can choose what you want to, but your argument is gone. <laughs> you know, you can still mm -hmm. believe what you want, but in verse 14, because all right. 13, 14, call me teacher. So when he had finished oh, washing okay. their feet, uh, yeah, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. So when he finished washing their feet and had put on his garments and he sat down again, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me the teacher, master, and the Lord, and you are right in doing so, for that is what I am. For I then, your Lord and teacher, master, have washed your feet. You ought. It is your duty and your you are under obligation. You owe it to one to wash one another's feet. Now, see, he, he accepted that title, mm -hmm. right? And see, and look at what he's doing. It's not just the verbal instruction, but it's the display of his servanthood when he washed the disciples feet and then he's instructing the us the disciples to do the same right now we talking about what the good life is would anybody call washing somebody else's feet the good life not after they've been walking behind camels and sheep and donkeys and sandals no. Right. No, no, no. That that'd be rough. But would is it is it true that Jesus is he he is the definition of abundance, abundant mm -hmm. life? Absolutely. Right. And he's encouraging, he modeled and encouraged us to mm -hmm. wash each other's feet. It's like the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, this is what you say. So like, this is what our culture says is the abundant life. But I say, right. and their extreme ends, mm -hmm. this would be, that would be, that servanthood would be just the extreme of what people think the good life is. Yeah. Yeah. They think the good life is the one getting your pedicure. So a lot of people think, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, even Christians, they think the good life is okay. I think we dealt with this, okay. I'm saved, and he explained it between a convert and disciple. But I've been converted. Now I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna live, as you said, my definition of good life. I'm gonna go enjoy all the things that I can enjoy. So I'm gonna live my, I'm gonna live my essay, my good life. This is what I'm gonna do. And, you know, so forget about as you just mentioned about servanthood. And your your good life will kill you. <laughs> well, that's true. In some cases, yeah. yeah. 
people that, that live their good life out of their own flesh. Right. It, it doesn't turn out good. He's saying it. Right. He's saying it. Because it just goes back to that the the reward of giving. The scripture says it's better to give than mm-hmm. to That's receive. Good life, right there, being able to give. Right. Because right. obviously, if you, in order to give something, you got to be in a position to give. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a certain amount of supply to give. Mm-hmm. Number one, and number two, when if we understand spiritual law, right? Give and it shall be. Yeah. Unto thee. And Sue mentioned that that picture of Niagara Falls. Right? The water just continues to pour. If I'm operating in that spiritual law of giving, sowing seed, and you you show love, you are sowing into kingdom work, mm-hmm. you are being a blessing to people. Spiritual law says you gotta get that back. Mm-hmm. Press down, shaking together, and running over. So you are enjoying the, the, the reciprocation of that and your ability to continue to give is doing what? Continuing to expand. Right. And it comes without stress. I mean, it, it comes naturally from that flow that you're out giving, there's another flow that's coming back again, and you don't have to. You don't have to be out there contending for it. Yeah. It's something that happens. That's good. Because the blessing of the Lord make it rich. Rich, right. So and no he sorrow. had no sorrow right. unto it. And that's, the, that's, that's what, if we just look at it practically, you talk about you know having material wealth and all these things. The blessing of the Lord make it rich and he had no sorrow unto it. You got a lot of folk. They got a lot of material riches. But what else is coming with that? A mm-hmm. lot of sorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. Because think about it, if the peace of God is not in your heart, right, and you're not walking with the Lord, and you got 500, let's say 500 million dollars, somebody looking for you. (laughs) Somebody looking for you, either to steal, to kill, or to destroy. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they want that money. Because they want what they think they can get from that money. Right. Right. Or you're constantly worrying about how you're going to keep it. Yeah. I told you about the preacher that came to our church one time, and this is right after Howard Hughes died. He said, I can tell you exactly how much Howard Hughes left. And everybody got quiet, leaned forward. He said, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> everybody thought, yep, he did. Then throw money in that coffin. <laughs> Now, hold on. Something, thinking of gifts, um, something that jumped into my head that um, the people that were given talents, Whitney Houston, and who was the other, and um, so they were giving something good, and something happened in their life that, mm-hmm. where did that, you know, how did that all end up the way it was, and who was the other one? Katie that- Perry. I think. Uh, well, I can't think of somebody. It was another yeah, but she, singer. Her life turned around and went thing. went crazy. But and it's just like how she died. So speaking of like a good gift, that was a gift from God. But then there's just so much. But you know, all of us have to, have gifts. Her. They're just not the kind that you see on TV. Everybody's got them, and if you, and if you use them, uh, 
they, they grow and they magnify, you know, but a lot of these people that are in the movies and on TV, they get twisted quick. They're, but when I think culture. of good gifts and it adds no sorrow to it, so, you know, every look at her life and the sorrow that it, that she ended up dealing with and then how she died. It's but God, so God didn't God didn't end it. God didn't do that. That's, no, that's, that's, but yeah, I'm saying yeah. that it was just so interesting, a good gift. Like, mm-hmm. wouldn't we all, mm-hmm. well, man, look at me saying, and I'm a multi-millionaire billionaire, but mm-hmm. that it's not, you know, she had one thing and then the other, she didn't develop the other parts of her life. Right. I don't even know if that made sense. Uh, you know, I read an article about Pablo Picasso when he was still alive, he could take a gang to a restaurant and eat and the bill could be a couple thousand bucks. And he could just sign his name on the napkin and give it to somebody, and it was worth more than that. His signature. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, wow. I'm not, you know, you don't think of things like that. Okay. Now, earlier, Terry had mentioned um, a guest that joins oh, us sometimes. Called in, has he? Yeah. <laughs> called the religious skeptic. He, 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 he texts me every now and then when we're talking. He's very furious. Everything is in all caps. <laughs> he says, you guys are just at it again. You're, mm-hmm. You are just off base. I, I, I don't know why I continue to listen to you heretics. Oh, my God. This is hilarious. Now. Call me Mr. Heretic. Now, he, he wants us to go to Acts 14 and 22. He says, y'all need to read this and reconcile this with everything you're saying. 14. Acts 14, 22. All right. Let me see. I'm going to read that in the... I'm going to pull up the living translation. The religious skeptic said he heard all that, even though she was whispering. <laughs> so he, he says he got it. Okay. So we, but he going to start here. Verses 21 and 22 says, in the New Living says, after preaching the good news in, in Darby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pedesdia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith reminding them that they must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So he he says this is New Testament scripture. And this is the apostle that's saying that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Like, how does this jive with this abundant life nonsense? Well, I qualify because I sure have suffered a lot of hardships. But then, I mean, because I know the, then the uh, scripture where it says, said when the God, Jesus or the kingdom suffer violence. And the violence take it by force. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about, hey, 
there's the, the enemy's gonna come against you. Yep. So that's where the hardship comes from. Yep. And you can have a tremendously abundant life and be out there witnessing for the Lord and go through tribulation. There's people that'll just give you hard times and you know, make things up about in you. In this world, you, know, you will have tribulation. tribulation. That's just yeah. the way but it is. Cheer up. I have overcome. And, and at the same time that you're going through tribulation, you can still have an abundant life. You can still have joy in the Absolutely. And wouldn't Absolutely. you rather go through all the stuff with the joy, with the peace, yeah, with the dollars go. in your pocket, with the good health, right. than not? So <laughs> the hardships aren't going to steal my joy. No. Yeah. You know, what do I value more than anything? Joy. So, you know, whether it's a sunset, whether it's my boat, if I have a billion dollar boat and I'm sitting there out there on the ocean, do you know what I care about more? The rainbow. The boat is just the vehicle that got me on the water to go look at the rainbow going into the water. You can't see a rainbow going into the water if you ain't got a boat. Because you're stuck on the land because you're too poor to own a boat. So, but what, what in that moment when I, I, if I had a, if I had a boat that cost a billion dollars and I'm on the boat mm -hmm. and then me and God, I'm out there looking at the clouds and there's a rainbow in that moment. What, what am I, what, what is bringing you joy? The boat or Jesus's presence in the rainbow? Well, must I spell it out for you? It's the joy of the Lord, and I. It's just the vehicle to get me out on the water. But I'm not even in that moment thinking about the boat. Every time I go out there, I thank God for my boat. <laughs> right, because I can't get out on the water right. without one. Because right. you know I. And I then everything that comes with it, catching the fish and being out there in the exactly. It's beautiful. I, mm. Well, and um, Jesus was partial to fishermen anyway. Oh, he was. <laughs> I love boats. All right, I want to jump in with Julie. Julie says something. He says, knowing his will for us and that he wants us to have good examples, healing, prosperity, peace, shows us his character and love for us. John 17, 3 says, eternal life is to know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I believe it is necessary to know God's goodness to draw us to him and who he is. Just as in any relationship, we give gifts to someone we love to show them how we feel. God provided all of these things through Jesus to show us how much he loves us. Wait, could you read the last two sentences? Like, just mm -hmm. he, mm -hmm. so she believes that, that, um, cause. All right, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it again. It says, I believe it is necessary to know God's goodness, to draw us to him and who he is. Just as. In any relationship, we give gifts to someone we love to show them how we feel. God provided all of these things through Jesus to show us how much he loves us. Right? Because the scripture says it is the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. We Lead draw men and repentance. Yeah. Right? Right. This is good. Okay. Oh, hold on, hold on. The religious skeptic now, he's, he's he, all right. It's in red now, all caps. He says, y'all are continuing to misinterpret this stuff. Let's go to Proverbs 30. He wants us to go to Proverbs 30. 
and read verses 7, 8, and 9. Proverbs 30, verses 7, 8, and 9. All right. And I read that in the New Living Translation. says, Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. And Solomon grew rich and denied the Lord. <laughs> oh. The religious skeptic just say amen to Gene. He just said. <laughs> well, then I feel sorry for him because that's not where my heart is at. But how do we deal? Awesome. How do we deal with that though? Because this we read scripture, Old, Old Testament. They were still trying to earn their. Well, is the, the my name Solomon? It's just like the people. Well, Paul suffered. I said, "Well, is my name Paul?" Okay, but see now. My name's not Paul. Hold my on. Name's not Solomon. The religious skeptic is saying, "Well, you, you, you just accuse me of cherry picking, but aren't you doing the same thing if you're going to chuck out the whole Old Testament?" Mm -hmm. No, I don't chuck out anything. But it said, "For I, if I grow rich." Well, I know who I am, and I know how much I love God. And I chuck out the I chuck out the legalism in the Old Testament, uh, where they're where they're always doing things to try to earn uh, the kingdom. He's making a broad painting, every putting every single human being into the same pot and saying, "Oh, everyone's going to do that." No. Well, what's looking? No, everyone's words. Is not these the are. Same. Yeah. This isn't thus saith God, or this is for exactly. all men Thank to you. say. This is the words of I. For if I. And, and maybe that's his heart. That's it. That Thank he would you. say Bingo. before God. That, and if Thank those you. are temptations in my life, then maybe I would utter such right. a prayer. But we also that's have the benefit of the Holy Spirit. Which they didn't. To, to, yeah. Exactly, they didn't. Hmm. So if we even see that we're entering into such a temptation or condition, there's remedy. There's well, they, back then, the Old Testament, everything they were doing was in their own strength and their own yeah, their own wisdom. The spirit came upon them, uh, ex except for the Levitical law. Everything else was you know, they had to decide what, what was right and wrong. Okay. Where else we have the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides. Okay. Okay. You you hit the nail on the head. He's talking about himself. And there perhaps are people yeah, that, that could and identify with that human being yeah, that's, that's ever lived. All right. Well, let me interject here. I'll jump in. <laughs> All right. Because I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, now I can see how, I can see the, how people can interpret this. And it, and it be a blessing to them to interpret it directly mm -hmm. how it's written. Okay. Because think about it. All right. Says first, help me never to tell a lie. Yes. Humility, asking for the for for help to have a pure tongue. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. Now, if I'm in a place where I know that there are certain temptations that'll be too much for me. 
doesn't it make sense to avoid that? To right, right. right. And I think because see, there's wisdom here because all scripture is given for what instruction, mm-hmm. right? So we we can we can learn from this, but let's look at it with grace glasses, new covenant glasses, right? So in verse nine it says, "For I grew, I grow. If I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may still and thus insult God's holy name.' Now, these are temptations. Regardless of how high you are on the hierarchy, if you have some some physical flesh, and you are in this mind, right now." Your weakness is different from mm-hmm. hers mm-hmm. and it's different from mine, right? But they all are. There are, there are areas of temptation there that we're vulnerable to to varying degrees depending on our makeup and how we came up and all that type stuff, right? But the wisdom here is, is that I'm, I'm seeing... Him having awareness to say, okay, I don't want to be in a position where my my circumstances are tempting me to do something to dishonor you, dishonor the Lord, to be taken. He's what I'm hearing him truly esteem his relationship in saying, okay, I want to I want these boundaries to be set for me. Right? But now, as a new covenant, Holy Ghost indwelt believer, right? You have the you your capacity to have a certain level of material wealth and contentment in your soul is is broader, right? Depending on what the depth of your relationships, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're not, if if he is the foundation of your life, it don't matter whether you got $50 or $50 million. Nothing's going to take you off that relationship with him, right? But again, all of us are in different places in our relationship right, with him. And material wealth, it is a tremendous temptation. Which is why Paul taught Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. He didn't say, there shouldn't be any rich among you. He said, as far as the rich among you are concerned, and then he gave instruction. Yeah, and then they and then they had to choose whether they were going to do it or not, like we all do. Just because Paul told them to do that doesn't mean they were going to. But actually, the I'm not even going to mention any names. I'm just going to say the faith teachers, whom I love would say in that scripture, give me all I need, they would call that person, they would call him selfish. If all, he's like, just give me what I need. Yes. I don't like to call people say, give me names. enough to pass around. I don't yeah. like to call people names, but that's what they would say. Well, all you're thinking about is yourself. Just give me enough for my own needs. They literally would call them selfish. My three, I don't call uh, people my, names. My four, I don't call them whatever they want to. Right. That's exactly who they, what, we won't, I won't say who they are. Right. 
I understand where they're coming from. Yeah. I just don't like to call people names. They'd say, boy, that person's selfish. Just give me enough for my needs. Uh-huh. Yeah, because you can see the the truth there, though, right? Because if if it's just about my four and no more, then how can how can we provide for others to be a blessing to other people if we just got barely enough for us, right? So, because scripture says says what about says a man that doesn't take care of his own is worse, worse than an infidel, right? So obviously you need enough to take care of your own. So in order to have enough to take care of your own, you need to have, you need to be living in a level of abundance where your needs, the household needs are taken care of, and there is more left over to do what? Mm-hmm. To give. Mm-hmm. Right. And we, we're talking about just, you know, keeping this this cycle of abundant abundance going where the needs of the household are met and we're in a position to be a blessing to everybody else too, right? And see, and that's, the, that's graduating from that, that phase of barely enough, just enough, right? What's precious, what's precious in our lives? And when it boils down to it, it's, it's money. And when you meet people and you realize they have a need and you give them money, they they have to know that's a sacrifice for anybody. They hand the money away. Yeah. And uh, and, and uh, I think that gains more uh, uh, converts than anything. When when you're generous, gets their attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're generous and you're showing love, when when in, in fact they're thinking something that you you really your flesh wants to show them something else. Uh, you you you're you're really yeah. Hyping the kingdom, yeah. Because yeah. think about think about that, right? You be a blessing to somebody, and let's say they they kind of really didn't do you right, but you giving mm-hmm. of yourself like that, your the money represents your time for a lot of us, right? You know that the, the average mm-hmm. person, you you know, you're exchanging your your mm-hmm. time and talent for money, so you're giving, you're literally giving. A portion of what your time and talent earned to sow into somebody else, right? And if we looked at it like that, then we would have a great appreciation for what you know, what we receive from others, and what we're giving, right? So that just understanding what. What really is going on from a spiritual perspective when we when we give, right? It's not just bucket plunking, but see, you know, it, again, you if you don't you don't have that level of understanding, then you're getting robbed of the true benefit. Money can be a real spiritual tool. Yeah. When I was going through a divorce and I was moving into an apartment of my own with three kids, uh, there was this pastor from a church. I didn't know the guy. I never met the guy. Somebody told him about me. And he came to my house, opened up the cabinets. There was no food in there. He said, we're going to take care of that. He says, you, you got any electric bills around? I said, yeah, I do I ever. You know, he, he took care of everything that day. And he came in with a carload of groceries and filled everything up and shook my hand and said, Lord bless you, brother. And when he left, I was like, I don't know why, you know, I was a young Christian. I was immature, but mm-hmm. it, it was like, wow, that's, that's what Jesus would have done. 
You know, that's right. Christianity. And you see the impact of that seed, right? And that was 50 years ago. I hadn't forgot it. Right. You know? Right. So you told me half a century ago. Yeah. And he told it like it was yesterday. Yeah. But see, again, when you know, when you talk to people, because I, you know, I'm not going to tell people business, but I, I heard a story like this. It's, it's like you people that sticks with folks when they, when they can see that godly generosity like that. Right. Julie said something else. She said, God also would practice what he preaches. Not tell us to provide for our families and he not provide for us, his family. There you go. There you go, Julie. Good girl. Yeah, Julie on fire tonight. Yeah. She dropping bombs. Yeah. But that's what it is, right? Okay. Now, hold on. I think we got somebody else didn't chime in. <laughs> now, the... It's, it's, it's the prosperity man. Mr. Prosperity has texted me in response to the, the religious skeptic and the rest of us talking. He wants us to go to Ecclesiastes 10. Go back to Solomon again? Ecclesiastes 10, verse 19. Verse what? Verse 19. He said... Yeah, Mr. Mr. Prosperity said, he, he was like, y'all, I thought y'all were on board. I thought y'all had revelation, but then y'all started backsliding and y'all talk. Y'all <laughs> no, need don't to, include me. You need I'm to, Mrs. Prosperity. You need to <laughs> read Ecclesiastes me. 10 and 19. Uh -huh. I bet I can out-prosperity him. He says, a party gives laughter, wine gives happiness, and money gives everything. A party gives laughter, Wine gives happiness, and money gives all things. Listen to the right. that changes that meaning of that. Mm -hmm. Instead of repairing the breaches, the officials make a feast for laughter, serve wine to cheer life, and depend on tax money to answer for all of it. That's like a completely different Ooh. statement. Oh, wow. Prosperity says she she needs to get rid of that on a, unofficial unofficial Bible. That's not we 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 are King James and, and New Living Translation people. Well, let's 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 pull it out. Let's look at it. because see instead of repairing the breaches, the officials make a feast for laughter. They serve wine to cheer life. And depend on tax money to answer for all of it. Okay. I found this on the web for why aren't it's your life independent tax money. Check it out. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to verse 17. Now, in the Amplified, verse 17 says, Happy fortunate to be envied are you, O land, when, you, when your king is a free man and of noble birth and character, and when your officials feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. And then it ties in. So is it 19 is probably related to 17. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Did somebody in writing or something, did, did somebody mention Solomon about money? Did, did somebody say that? Did I hear that money ruined Solomon? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. And, no, and no, worshiping no, idols and no, all kinds of stuff. No, it wasn't the money. It the was women. the women. Because what did they tell him? Not it wasn't the money. Yeah, he took farm wives, and the, it was he, that he was he not told? Because I don't remember 
not to take foreign wives? Well, the whole so it, was, it, was, the it was against the Levitical law the for, for it. Always, to do it's it. always the woman. It all, it's all grandma, right? It's always the woman. But not only that, he had babies with them. Women. Well, yeah, but, with them. Well, but think about them. Not the idols. She owns something because what is the first commandment? Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. And see, and so in that in Solomon's case, he married foreign foreign wives who served what yeah, idol and gods. They took him away from God. And he, he was he was he was, a, he was a politician too because he figured if he he married. Another kingdom's daughter, they wouldn't have a war. And so he was bringing these women in, but they were never getting pregnant. He was letting them offer their babies to Baal. They were burning them into, you know, using them as a human sacrifice. See, and this is funny because we, you know, we're going into this whole Christian philosophy teaching in January. And see, and this is why I wanted to kind of do this as like a lead up because, you know, the way we look at scripture, the way we we understand. God's character, it has a tremendous impact on what we receive from the word. Start something about the, God's character. Wait, say that again. All right. That was good. God's, the way we interpret God's character, the way we see him, it determines how we view life, how we walk amongst one another, how we interpret scripture, what we get from the word itself, right? Because it is the, the lens by which we look at everything through. The filter. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the filter. Because so if I have, like you got Mr. Prosperity, he'll look at the scripture like this. And you got the righteous skeptic, he'll look at the scripture like this. But we want to be people that have what? Have a balanced mm -hmm. 360 mm -hmm. degree view of what God is communicating to us because I could take this Ecclesiastes 10 and 9. This is why it's dangerous to cherry pick. Mm -hmm. You can't just take stuff out of context. No. Because if I, if, if I read verse 10 and 19, I'm like, every wino on the face of the earth is a, is a follower of the word. <laughs> He's doing the word because he said he, said he, 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 could, he could put. He could point James at you and say, hey, he said, you, the word said not to be listeners only, right? <laughs> to be doers of the word. So every time I chug a swig, I'm married. a doer of the word. Judas had himself going to do, go do likewise. <laughs> hey, and, and that's the danger. We must yeah. listen to some of the same people. Of, of, of cherry picking. Yeah, Copeland, Jesse. Pagan, Jerusalem, uh, yeah, all of them, yeah, all all the people I love, and then I see people on the internet killing them. They just they go after those guys like and it's daggers. It's weird because they're literally quoting the Bible. I saw one guy. Now, one guy said, "You want to see Kenneth Copeland get demon possessed on the platform?" And I thought, "I got to see this." I turned it on. He was preaching and he stopped for a minute to speak in tongues. And he went, he brought up Asanda. The guy said, there it is. There's oh, the demon. My word. What an idiot. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, these people are so whacked they out. Are, they are. <laughs> mm, I'm already in a can of worms. Let me just, I want to go back to, I'm, I'm, cause, cause Terry mentions verse 17. I want to look at this again in Ecclesiastes 10. Happy, fortunate to be envied are you, O land. When your king is a free man and of noble birth and character, 
and when your officials feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness, right? Now see, we we're getting some some instruction on what government, though you know leaders of government, right? Through all right. I'm going to read it in the King James verse 18. It says, by wit, by much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. So instead of repairing, that, that all ties those three verses tied together. Yeah, yeah. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answer of all things. Curse not the king, know not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. So the powerful men will hear about it and come after you. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Well, just th think about, like when we're looking at the whole council of scripture, right? Now, the temptation is, if there are people in places of power, all right, that you don't like, you don't like the policy, the temptation is to do what? To curse them. Talk down about Talk yeah. down, mm -hmm. gossip, slander, mm -hmm. right? But what did the scripture tell us to do? Pray. Pray. Right. Right. Why? Because even if, let's say all these things are true, like the you know the people in leadership are you know they corrupt, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. The scripture tell us not to respond evil with evil, mm -hmm. but evil with mm -hmm. good. Good. Yeah. So me doing good is to do what to lift them up before the Lord. So you we are putting spiritual pressure on the atmosphere around them, based on what Paul told us to do. Mm -hmm. Right. But the temptation is for us to, 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 to spit back like the world does, to curse. If our, if, if our particular person is not in the office or whatever, the temptation is to slander, to curse. But when we do that, what are we doing? All we're doing is sowing into the same negative atmosphere that mm -hmm. we see. Mm -hmm. And so I, I apologize. We often get off on tangents when we, when we <laughs> oh, do no, that. No, yeah. Oh, no, please do. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I yeah. love it. So we my talking. Brain, my brain's always doing million things at one time, so that's uh, my normal. All right. So, we, yeah, we got a special group here. <laughs> so got me. Connecting all the dots. Because, see, again, you know, we're talking about the whole council, right? And you, in order to really have a clear picture and just for for the, the totality of scripture to be a blessing to you, you know, you can't cherry pick. Because again, you know, we laughed at that one verse earlier, but it's like how many, how many of us have sat under doctrine, just doctrines that mm -hmm. have been instilled based on one or two verses? When the whole of scripture is telling a different story. 
I keep going back to something you said years ago. We were talking about how the way we're presented with the gospel can taint our entire walk mm-hmm. with the Lord. Yeah. And that is so true. Yeah. I've been through all of them. I remember people talking about if you wore earrings and necklaces and that yeah. you, you were or if you dyed your hair or if you wore different clothes and No, I'm talking about the way well, you, not, what you heard years. when you got saved. What what led you? What scriptures were used? What was the approach? How did people describe why you needed to be saved? That really has a lot of impact on the way you will disciple people. You'll approach God. You look at God. It's huge. Well, I didn't have any people to disciple me. Yeah, I got saved by the Holy Spirit. Well, no. I agree with you. you know, I mean, I got saved when I was 10. So, you know, the, the, the motivation was hell. Mm-hmm. And... and you can't knock that because uh-uh. you know that helped. But that, get saved. that's where you but stay. Yeah, you'll have a lens right. of where. And I know is. people that stayed. I just stayed there. You know, as I even as a young boy, I look back. Okay, there was a uh, element of what they taught us about relationship. Uh, but as I that grew as I got older and had a better understanding the word and mm-hmm. got on different people understand and say, okay. This is more than just a heaven or hell issue. This is about relationship, and you grow and to build that intimate, intimate communicate. You know, it, it becomes bigger than just okay. Because at some point, I realized, okay, hey, hell is not an issue for me anymore. Okay, that's that's you bought, paid for. I received Christ. That's not an issue. And then it's not even why you keep serving the Lord, right? It's not even a factor. It's a benefit right. of, of what you want. Well, he's good, he's good to you, and you want to express his personality to other people. That's the whole thing. Right, like but some people are taught that is the issue because if you don't stay on the straight and narrow, if you wave too much to the left, to the right, and then you may find your way to find yourself, and it's like, okay. But their whole focus mm-hmm. stays on sin. Right, exactly. Sin is the right? main focus. And so, and when you learn sin is not an issue, your behavior is not an issue with God, okay? Mm-hmm. It is because he took care of that. Mm-hmm. Then you understand, okay, hey, I think one teaching that people need to, to, to learn is about how you become righteous. Because when you have this mindset, oh, I'm righteous because I don't do this, and I don't do that, mm-hmm. and I don't do this, and if you think you earned it, mm-hmm. yeah. Then you say, oh, so my behavior is an issue because if I'm not doing those things anymore, then I'm no longer righteous. But when you realize it's all through, Paul talked about, when you learn your righteousness because of him. He who, he knew, no, he who knew no sin right. became sin that you, you may become the righteous. Right. You understand that you were made right because you of what can't do it yourself. Then right. it's like, okay, well, now it's not even so... My righteousness came from him, not because of my behavior. I saw a preacher stop a sermon one time, and he said he he said he wasn't going to preach till the person that was in sin would come up and repent. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody came up. It's just 20, 30 minutes going on. So finally, he said, "I'm going to dismiss you all." And the person that w- was sinning, I knew her. She came to me and she said, "He, he stopped the sermon for me." I said, "Why?" She because I have a short sleeve blouse on, my arms were showing. True story. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought, what? These people are nuts. You know, they're just crazy. 
Yeah. And she was, she was like a 50-year-old woman. You have people you know? that sit under that their right. entire life. They don't venture out and hear other teachers the way we evolve so that you get the whole picture. Yeah, the whole counsel. And that really... Right. But I'm saying I see you here stuff now. It's like, you know, we're talking about behavior, behavior. And I'm not saying behavior is not important. But for me, and I say anybody, when you get a revelation of that, I was I made right because of what he did. Okay, it takes the focus off the behavior, and then you focus on relationship. Now you're looking right. at him. Like, okay, he took care of that. So, and to me, the the love grew. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. wow, look what he did for me. This is amazing. And if you run, and so, if you run it through your head, God is good all the time, right. and I'm His ambassador. You don't get in trouble, right? Because you, so, you want you constantly want to do good. Because now, because now he's gone, gone. the behavior begins to change. Right. Because right. what he did, so I'm not focused on what I'm doing. Now the behavior begins to modify, change. It's like, okay, you know, as you get closer to him, did he, you know, deal with yourself and say, okay, you change that. You better at this. this. But you're not like, oh, if I don't get this right, I'm going to hell, or he going to get mad at me, or he going to punish me. No, that you don't have that mindset. You have a mindset, okay, he loves me. But you know what? Because of what he did for me, I want to be better. Right, 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 right. And that's the effortless change that Andrew's mm-hmm. talking about. Right, yep. right. Because the when when we're righteousness conscious, the Holy Spirit is is open to do the work in us. But when we sin conscious, when we is it's about me not doing this, that, and the third. What are we gonna do? This, that, and the third. Mm-hmm. Right. Because of the weakness of our flesh. Scripture already tells us that. All right. Oh, let me give a shout out to uh, Miss Mary. We pray for her. She um, chimed in. Um, she says, this has been so good to be a part of, of it, even if it's in the technology space. Yeah, we appreciate having you. All right. All right. So um, just wanted to thank everybody for joining us this evening. Can Mary hear us? Yeah, he, she can hear us. Mary, Merry Christmas, hon. Get better quick. Yeah, yeah, we already agree. So we we um we're looking forward to seeing you jumping and skipping. Yeah, to yeah. the study next yeah. next next year. Yeah, yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. Well, social media family. Uh, just a couple of notes before we sign off. Um, January we're starting Christian philosophy. Okay, for our Karis Bible study. Christian philosophy will start that. And our app, the Grace and Faith Fellowship app, is under construction. Okay. The the new and improved app should be available sometime in mid-January. Okay. And don't forget to tune in this Saturday, okay, to hear uh, Pastor Eric deliver the New Year's Eve message. All right. Should be fire. Okay. All right. So um, y'all tune in. If you miss it, you know, wake up and go to the the Facebook page or YouTube channel. Check it out. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate you this this evening on all this year. All right. Be blessed and we'll see you next year.